Here we've got episode 211. Do you ever get into the kitchen and you're flustered, you're overwhelmed and you're disorganized and the cooking suffers, your day isn't great and you just wish it all went differently? This is a super common situation that unravels on Christmas Day. And so on this episode, we've got a high-level chef that is going to walk you through a food preparation strategy that makes more sense than gravity. (laughs) We also get stuck into talking about flavoring food so that you can get more variety from your day-to-day diet so you don't run out of healthy food options or get bored with food, especially if you have any dietary restrictions or limitations. If you want to keep Christmas tasty, organized, and slightly healthier than usual, then let's dive in. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? It's Christmas time and we're about to get stuck into the kitchen and be blown to bits by overwhelm and the subtle and inevitable physical expansion of our pants. (laughs) And anyone that does venture into that space or maybe already has even before now, well, you obviously need to be a part of my mission, which is to coach 300 people to get control of their emotional eating so they can lose weight and actually keep it off without counting calories or eating rabbit food. What an interesting time of year to make a statement like that. (laughs) All right, so I've got a friend here hanging out with me that I'd like to introduce you to. Uh, This is Mr. Adam Rice, and Adam is a highly experienced chef and founder of the culinary and culinary director of the Better Food Bureau. Adam's been in the kitchen since his first job at 11 years of age uh, as a kitchen hand, and that evolved into his chef apprenticeship at 16. He went on to train at Ezard, a two-hat modern Asian restaurant, and worked under Dallas Riley, Dylan Roberts, Mark Briggs, and um, Andrew Harmer. You might be thinking, who the hell are they? They are head chefs at Voudemont, and anyone from Melbourne knows that that is basically the most expensive restaurant in all of Melbourne, on top on the top level of one of our tallest buildings here in Australia. He later went on to become a personal chef for exclusive and very wealthy clients on luxury yachts and now wants to share the wealth of knowledge he's gained throughout the years to help people cook and enjoy better food despite their dietary limitations and food intolerances. And the big dog is here to hang out with me and get down on this Christmas episode. Adam, what's going on, man? Matty's mate, thanks for having me. What a wonderful intro that was. That was fire. <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks, thanks for having me along. Yeah, great. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm so glad we finally made this happen. We've hung out a few times and talked about it, but we finally hit record. Yeah, yeah. I was really pumped when you when you uh, messaged me to say to it, can I come and have a chat about Christmas with you guys? Yeah, super stoked to be here. Thanks. So we were just talking before we did hit record about um, exactly what you do and I would love for you to share with the listeners exactly what you do because I think it's really relevant to people that listen to this podcast that may be interested in health but also that may have experience with health issues as well. So give it to us. Uh, so my key role, one of my key roles at BFB uh, is a kitchen coach. We have a coach for our health we have a coach for our excel spreadsheets a coach for our life a coach for our money um but i never could find a coach for a kitchen or a person where you could have a conversation with someone about food and being a chef working with challenges with dietaries and working as a personal chef i started to realize that there was a real formula to creating dishes with dietaries and i sort of figured if i can unpack it and put it into a coaching modality and teach it to people then that would be super useful 
Yeah, absolutely. And this, I mean, these days in 2022, 2023, there's so many dietary issues everywhere. Yeah, there is. There is. It's a real problem. Like one in five now celiac. And I think like the number for IBS is actually slowly uh, creeping over that because, and I'm not, I'm not, uh, don't hold this to me, but uh, I think there's been a lot of misdiagnosis in celiac disease where people have thought they've had celiacs, but they actually have IBS. Yeah, right. Which is starting to overtake now gluten intolerance. I'm pretty sure that's that's what I've heard on the grapevine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, gut issues in general, I, I see them more and more and more. And anyone that comes into my world are relevant if they've got, uh, you know, weight that they want to move or they're an emotional eater, like, Gut issues is usually some part of that equation somewhere, whether it be after they eat or whether it be a particular food or whether it be when they go to the toilet. Um, and when I was younger, like not many people had gut issues. Like it's really a thing that's evolving. Yeah, it certainly is. It certainly is. And so what I do at BFB is, um, you know, there's so many wonderful health practitioners out there that give, um, give the information, the, the what, here's what you need to do, and what we do here at BFB is the how. So we teach kitchen strategy, organizational structure, shopping lists, shopping guides, money-saving hacks, recipes, how to feed the fussy kids, how to make <laughs> sure that Jimmy that doesn't eat anything green gets fed as well, you know? Yeah, I love that. You actually make the healthy food delicious and not boring. Yeah, totally. And we do that with one of our models, um, which you can find in the cookbook, which we'll talk about later, called the sensory impact model. And that's one of the first things that I would love to um, love to chat about is how do we make great food, like average food tastes great? And what's the difference between what you make as a home cook and what a chef makes? And there's no real difference. I spent a long time trying to think about the differences between why can't you make food as good as me? And so um, introducing the sensory impact model, where in we break taste overall um, edibility of a dish down into two components, taste and flavor. And taste being sweet, salt, sour, bitter, and umami. And flavor being the elements of herbs, spice, uh, fats, uh, textures, and I should have written this down before I came. But so there's two key kind of um, elements of flavor which make our dish really edible. And so if we think of a simple dish... How can we zhuzh it up? And by using good quality olive oil, sea salts, fresh herbs, acids such as glazes or vinegars, um, and then textures, so for garlic chips or croutons and those sort of things, by using those in the right um, uh, construct, which we all sort of do when we freestyle, but um, paying attention to what we're actually doing, we can really like make food taste epic. Like, yeah, the model's, um, the model's super simple. And you just, by adding herbs and vinegar and olive oils and sea salt and pepper, like you completely change the way that your food tastes. Oh, 100%. And I think, I think as well, people are so used to um, the idea that healthy food is boring that, yeah, whenever somebody's got some kind of diet or health issue that they need to implement, they're just like, oh, well, I'm going to be miserable for 12 weeks. <laughs> it's totally right. Same as dietaries. Same as dietary, because what happened was, is when we only, we had some, a lot of the time, we have a very limited idea of the things we can cook. So we've got our favorite pasta, our roast, our thing, our favorite little party tricks. And then all of a sudden, if we get dietaries, if you've got limited knowledge of cooking, like your, your ingredients availability, like halves. And so therefore, your skill set also takes a dip with it. And so what right. we focus on at BFB is a development of techniques and the use of different ingredients 
that are suitable to dietary. So you can do more with one thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. What what come, came to mind as, as you were talking about that was just thinking about um, all the types of people that you know already don't cook and then they get this dietary. So they find the only thing in the supermarket that maybe fits into that category. They get super bored and then realize, oh, the happy, happiness that I get from food is more important than the gut pain that I experience from eating things that aren't good for me. So I'm just going to suffer along so that I can eat the food I want. Yeah, the classic person that's got lactose intolerant that smashes a cheese plate once a month. (laughs) And then smashes the toilet bowl. (laughs) Oh, they certainly do. They certainly do. But the thing is, uh, the thing is, Maddie, is that what what people are really missing is, is we eat different at different meals of the day. So these are called our styles, whether it be breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, smoothies, events. We'll go into Christmas in a sec. And then we want to create separate dishes that we like for us that are suitable to that kind of thing. And then we fill our pantry list with all those ingredients. And then we just do our like weekly shop. And then we can kind of eat um, comfortably all the time. It's almost having a bit of a prepper mentality. So if you've got cupboards, a cupboard full of food and full of beans and pastas and rices and pickles and chutneys and all these things that are suitable for your dietary, you just got to go shopping weekly and then you eat whatever the hell you like, right? Yeah, what what are like the top three, four, five spices that just transform a meal that people could just go buy right now? Oh, smoked paprika, number one. I totally agree with that. The best, <laughs> the best. Uh, smoked paprika, turmeric, cumin, coriander, um, and uh, that would probably be the top five, and fennel, like fennel seeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then what the art of learning how to use those? Mm. Testing and trying for one. But if if we imagine if we want to try and improve the edibility of a dish just by one percent, what would we do? First and foremost, if you're using sacks of sea salt in your cupboard, throw it out and go by uh, if you're using sacks of salt, table salt, throw it out. It's gonna ruin your flavour of all your food. Good quality olive oil, good quality sea salt. Pepper and fresh herbs. One thing that uh, people really lack in a lot of their food is fresh herbs and acid. And so that's as simple as like mint, coriander, Thai basil, olive oil, lemon juice. It'll completely change the way your dish tastes. Mm -hmm. Apple cider vinegar will go in there as well sometimes. Perfect. Great. Yep. Yep. For sure. You can do different things. Like, you know, there's like, I can rattle off like seven types of vinegar off the top of my head. White, White vinegar, white wine, balsamic, red wine. Champagne vinegar, sherry vinegar, apple cider vinegar, and all of those, and tarragon vinegar, all of them have different flavor profiles. So using different vinegars alone with other different ingredients makes has a different outcome. Yeah. So dressings and garnishing is what's really important. Like dressing a little salad on top of your thing or giving it a garnish or giving it the crispy shallots or giving it the olive oil or giving it the mayonnaise or you know, dumping Japanese seaweed on it, boom, that's how you make your food taste epic. Yeah, because I think there's this idea for some people, uh, and, and me too, until I learnt a bit more about cooking, really. And I was lucky enough, my, my mum's a very good cook, my sister's a chef, so I've grown up around people that uh, know what to do with food. But I think there's this idea, and once I moved out of home, me too, definitely, because I was being lazy, but that food, like chicken comes as a particular flavour and that's it. And you can actually make the same meal taste like 10 different ways. Uh, and it's yeah. like 
t- 10 totally different mouth experiences with the same food. Totally, 100%. And, there's, and, and, and that comes down to only a minor adjustment in the technique. So that would be you brined your chicken or you salted your chicken or you marinated your chicken or you poached your chicken. Do you know what I mean? So then if we think about chicken alone applying different techniques to it, <laughs> that's how, um, you know, someone with gluten-free that all of a sudden can't have all these things. But, you know, IBS, for example, is a, is a better example of this because if someone has got on a low FODMAP diet, they can't have 50% of most regular fruit and vegetables. And so the way that I, and I'm a personal chef for clients that have got low FODMAP and very particular dietaries, and I use the same method of the sensory impact model, which you can see, you can read about in the cookbook. Um, and I apply different elements of spice and texture and flavor and herb and all these things to zhuzh up whatever it is I'm cooking and people are wowed by it, you know? Do you know what's funny? I asked a group of clients today on a coaching call. I said, I'm going to hang out with Adam on a call. What kind of things do you want me to ask him? Um, and one of them literally said the word zhuzh. They were like, they were like, we need to learn how to zhuzh things up. So I love that you've used that word twice already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the that's the best thing to do, you know. Like, I think I think about it's like you're a foodie, or you're a non-foodie, right? Whether you're a, if you're a chef, you're a foodie. If you're a non-foodie and you don't get food, you've probably never really been challenged by it, or it's not your jam, or you don't love it, or it's too overwhelming, or whatever. So by understanding how you can zhuzh something up with a bit of mayo, a few texture, a bit of herbs. Oh, I've got that pickle left from last night, or I'll you know. Playing with textures and different um, pickles and ferments and these other elements of, of flavor and taste like yogurts and, you know, all these sorts of wonderful things, that's how you're going to develop and make your food taste better. Yeah, it makes sense. And I guess obviously we're hanging out, you know, a couple of weeks before Christmas, which is a time where there's just, you know, food for days and sugar for days and alcohol for days and uh, it's really hard for people I guess well one for people that are cooking for people that have dietary challenges but also the people obviously eating because they, I think they often feel limited by the fact they're like oh you know there's 25 people at family lunch no one's gonna cook for me or they're not gonna cook around my stuff so like how how are we setting our kitchens up and our barbecues up for Christmas with this sort of dietary thinking in mind? Well, the way that I do it is, so I, when I started doing dietaries, I, it was very complicated. The old strategy was really hard because we would have a function for 100 people. Five of them would have particular dietaries and we would custom make a dish for every person. And that mm-hmm. just, and because the sauce had gluten or the crumb had gluten and so the people that were gluten-free couldn't have it. And as a personal chef, this is really complicated for me because I'm having to do all this stuff. And so what I do is I reverse engineer it. The way I write my menu is everything is gluten-free. The gluten has gravy on the side or everything's low FODMAP. Or, you know, don't have shellfish or have a little shellfish station for your prawns and your oysters. But, you know, separate fridge, separate cooler, keep it out of the kitchen if someone's having gluten, don't be going making bread in there, you know. <laughs> if you want to have glutinous products, buy them in already prepared so that the person that you know may be having celiac that has celiacs doesn't have to worry about the flour being on the bench because that's how they get glutened, I call it. You know, it's the gluten, it's the glutinous bread goes in the gluten-free toaster. It's the dirty spoons in the sink that have got a little bit of dairy on it. It's the board that wasn't wiped down properly. And that's one of the biggest challenges that people have that are sufferers in the catering space is because of 
I guess, the lack of knowledge and know-how of the other people that are preparing the food and don't take it seriously enough, that brings food fear into the person and that can really alienate that person, especially in, in events around lovings and families. And so for me, the best way was like, just get rid of all the gluten. Just make everything low FODMAP. And I tell you, like, I've never had someone come up to me and go, mate, there should have been onion and garlic in that, you know? <laughs> People are none the wiser, right? It's like you, you can make anything taste delicious. Nobody cares what's in it if it tastes good. And it comes back to how you season it. You know, it comes back to how you season it, how you balance, using the herbs and stuff like that. So should we jump, go straight to the next point about, like, overwhelming the Christmas cooking yeah, for sure. Thing, There's plenty right? of that. People end up angry and fighting with each other and, you know, because just they're overwhelmed with stress and panic. And so let's get into it. Someone's stuck in the kitchen all day. No one's helping them. Then bloody yeah. fussy eaters and people are hungry and you don't have time. Like it gets <laughs> wild, man. It gets so wild. Dishes are stacking up. No one's doing them. They're just drinking piss. <laughs> oh, I know, right? I know. It's the worst. And so... I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you my strategy about what I do as a personal chef, how I plan an event and how mm-hmm. I can do that from, I can cater from to a hundred people by myself, you know, mm-hmm. and the way that I do it is by organizing. So the first thing you want to do is start with your menu. What am I going to have for breakfast? We're going to have croissants with some ham, with some, you know, you'll find your gluten-free croissants in your very low key kind of easy light breakfast because lunch is going to be pretty, pretty big. So... As we're talking about this, if you're listening to this, write this down. Take down these notes and we're going to map this out as we're going. So we're going to have juice, maybe some champagne, fruit plate, maybe some cereal, light cereal. Keep it super simple. Lunchtime is when the main event's going to be on. And we're going to have two to three proteins only. So one thing that we want to make sure is we're not overfeeding people and we're not putting too much on the plate, therefore resulting in wastage, right? Mm -hmm. So good rule of thumb is 200 to 250 grams of protein per person. Um, And that allows for cooked weight, people that aren't hungry. And if you look at that and you want a little bit more, maybe up it by 20%. I wouldn't go over that because then you're going to have a fridge full of bloody Christmas ham that was way too much. You know what I mean? (laughs) Everyone's going with leftovers. Everyone's going. And I'm sick of leftovers, like even on this next day, you know. And so... We're going to choose two to three proteins, whether that be a braised lamb leg or whether that be like uh, some roasted barbecue chickens or whether that be like a nice eye fillet. Mm-hmm. And so then we're going to have three to four sides. Keep it simple. So you can have a broccolini salad and there's a recipe for a burnt broccolini salad in the cookbook. All of these things that were mentioned, there's recipes for them in the cookbook. You're welcome to download. It's completely free. Uh, and if you want to buy it on Amazon, get that too. Uh, so we're going to have a, a broccolini salad. <clears throat> We're going to have a octopus salad, <coughs> tomato and octopus salad. We're going to have a risoni salad or a pasta salad, and we might have a green salad. So one thing that I do, I ne- will never prepare on Christmas Day, like never, ever, 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 ever. If you're cooking on Christmas Day, shit's gotten wild. You know what I mean? <laughs> Things are out of hand. <laughs> Things are out of hand. And so for me, because I don't like to stress on Christmas Day and I want to enjoy my time with my family, I will go shopping three days before and then I'll prep two days to the day before the event and I want everything like 90% done. And so that includes, I'll pick all my herbs, 
I'll pre-prep all of my salads and put them in containers with lids on them with the dressing in them or made so that on Christmas Day, it's out, boom, dress it straight in the box, into your bowl, serve it. I like it. So organizational strategies, shop early and prep like two days before. So marinate your beef, dice your potatoes. I wouldn't, you know, cooking things on the day like your roasted veg, for sure, but dice it. Salad, day before. Herbs, day before. Fruit plate for breakfast, day before. You know, dessert, day before. And also, another real good thing that you can do is import labor where you can, right? Hey, can you bring this? Can you do that? And that one person that you know that you can put in the plunge, like do the dishes for 30 minutes that day, time it so that, you know, so that they're in there at the most important time. And so... When I'm doing it, I'll also have all my dishes done along the way, like always washing as I go, forever. <clears throat> because if my bench space is cluttered, my mind is cluttered. And if that happens, I get overwhelmed. So when, when I get overwhelmed, i am become quite attuned to it now because if I continue as a chef to stay in the space of overwhelm, and I would do that for hours and hours and hours, it leads to burnout, you know? And then I, yeah. you know, I forget things and things don't take as good. So like, take breaks. So if we're organized and we know what we're going to do, so we've written out our menu now, we've written out our shopping list, Aunt Mary's bringing the trifle, Jimmy's bringing the green salad, send them the recipe and have everything in-house the day before. So on Christmas Day, you rock up, pop champagne, unwrap the fruit plate, eat the croissants and hang out. I love that. So organized. Cook the meat. Get the meat on, like get the meat on early so you can cook it and rest it. You can always reheat it. And then when it's time for lunch... Pull everything out the fridge, get your platters all on the table, bang, dress your salad, dress your salad, slice your meat, garnish your things, boom, you're the hero because you were organized. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. And you get to actually be present for at least like two thirds of the day, right? Well, you'll actually get to be present a lot more because you'll be hanging out in the kitchen in your box, right? So everyone thinks, oh, he's so busy. <laughs> but I'm just hanging out. No, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. I like it because I was on a I was on a podcast this week actually where I was ranting and raving about um the fact that the sort of, you know, the modern lifestyle 
runs away from food prep and we just do the food prep and uh, we often outsource the food prep but like we we spend as little time as possible and when we do do it we rush it and then we rush the eating and none of that is good for gut health and i think allocating time you know i know this is christmas but allocating time in our normal life to actually be like i'm going to respect this space of food preparation because the fact that i eat this food is the reason I'm alive. <laughs> so, you know, starting to res- respect that space of food prep and meal prep, I think we need to return to that. I know it's a bit of an old tradition, but now I think we actually need to bring it back. We need to rethink it. Like, mm-hmm. what, who the hell thought that the way we do food preps, the way it should be done? Like, who said that? <laughs> totally. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of wild. Like, I think about it. I think about kitchens and how the home kitchen works, how a commercial kitchen works, and I'm like, no one ever really had the conversation. You just watched Nonna how she made the pasta and that's what she did. You know, so we never really evolved from that. One thing I do want to touch on before we move on. Uh, so when you're doing your Christmas lunch thing and you're serving and everything's on the, on the table, get your wingman and do a quick 30-minute tidy up while the first 10 people are getting their food. And then by the time everyone's got a plate, the dishes are done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. You fully, what did I think of it the other day? It's prep, uh, shop like a ninja, prep like a samurai, cook like a boss. Oh, I love that tagline. <laughs> yeah, it's cooler. Eat like a champion. <laughs> Eat like a champion, totally. And so back on this idea of meal prep, I yep. can't stand eating reheated food. I think it's, I just don't think it's healthy. It's like, it's totally fine. Like health nutrition based is totally fine. But I like mm-hmm. to eat fresh cooked food as often as I can, but I don't mm-hmm. like to prep it. And that's where we get stuck is we think we've got to come home and prep the salad and then make dinner and blah, blah, blah. So when I go shopping, I'll come home and I'll pick all my herbs. I'll chop all my slaw. I'll prep all my veg. I'll marinate all my chicken. I'll put all my stuff away. I'll reorganize my pantry. So then when I come home and I'm exhausted at five o'clock, boom, air fryer goes on. Chicken breast is already marinated, goes in. Salad's already been prepped. Put some potatoes in, done. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. we, if we organize in a different way and we like think about same way we do Christmas is I put all my stuff in tubs, all my slaws in there. So every time I want a salad, it's just slaw. I've got some noodles. I've got some chicken. I've got some dressing. Zhuzh it up. Boom, boom, done. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I'm even thinking about going and doing that tonight <laughs> to like just chop up half the veggies that are in my fridge and um, just get things sorted. That's great. Well, that's why they stay there and go stale and you don't want to be doing that by the end of the week. You're over it. So, you know, yeah. we are, as a chef, I have to plan things in ways because I can be working for 16 hours a day. My energy, I have to manage when I'm going to have energy and when I don't. And so for me, I've always got a bit more energy as soon as I come back from shopping because I've carried the bags. I'm a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> done a bit of a workout or whatever. That's when I do another hour and put everything away, chop a her- uh, wash my herbs, organize my things, marinate the blah blahs, and then have something super light for dinner because it's organized. Or that it could even be your takeout night, you know. Mm-hmm. But then during the week, you know that you've got bolognese ready because it was in the freezer because the week before you made 10 kilos of it, you know, and managing your freezers and your pantry, you know, thinking like a prepper. Like if you can honestly get a month's worth of food in your fridge and it's not so if if it all goes south, but it's so if someone gets sick, it's so if we don't have time, it's so if someone has to go away um, and it's so when you can't be bothered, we're still eating good food, you know? Yeah, that's great. I love that. 
Um, and, I, and I like your comment about um, leftovers too because some people might not know, but if you've got a histamine intolerance or a histamine issue, um, in leftovers, histamine concentration goes up. So um, for anybody that's uh, yeah, got any challenges with histamine, like um, leftovers, you want to steer clear of them often. One of my friends actually, she's trying to steer clear of histamines and it's a bit of a complex... It is a bit of a complex thing. And so that's another really good point, Matt. And so I would, if I make all that salad, so let's say next day you've got another barbecue, like prep mm-hmm. it all now, do it all in one go. So if you've got to know you've got to go to a different barbecue, like just tweak your salads a bit, prep it again, buy the containers, put it in the back fridge. And then on Boxing Day, when you're exhausted, you're just like, oh, I've got to go to this bloody other barbecue, but you still get to be the carryover hero, right? <laughs> the carryover hero, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm curious on the flip side, like what are the two or three don'ts? Like what are, what are common mistakes that, you know, everyday kitchen cookers make when it comes to flavor and management and that type of thing that you just like, oh, this can so easily be solved with a bit of knowledge? Number one is stop cooking for other people. If you're <laughs> in your kitchen and you're trying to cook to impress someone, that's going to add a layer of stress that's going to detach you from your true cooking nature. Um, and if you muck it up and it's not even going to, you, you might impress that person. But like, to be honest, like when I stopped cooking for other people and I started cooking for myself, my food tasted better. I was way happier. I freestyled more. My clients were happier. And it just like made the whole thing more magical because when we add stress into the kitchen, like for me, like I have to manage my stress. Most of the time I'm in the kitchen with the family. So regardless of what's going on, if the kid comes tugging at my leg, I sort of, hi, Jimmy, how you going, blah, 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 right? So maintaining our state is going to be really important. And so if we cook for ourselves, we're able to get to our most natural essence of, of who we are, right? Next step is if you're starting to get overwhelmed and frustrated and then you drop something, break something, spill something, turn it all off. Tools down, everything off, clean it up, walk out, have a glass of wine, do whatever you got to do, come back and have another crack. Because for me, when I go into that phase, and you know, something that's very interesting about this is in a kitchen in the middle of service, I don't have my failure rate can be high, but it cannot be seen. And so if I'm in a two hat restaurant and I'm failing during service, I, that doesn't matter. The chef's like, stay composed. You need to stay composed. You need to keep your shit together, blah, blah, blah. You need to not make a mistake. But that is not required in the home. So everybody can wait. You're cooking the food. They can wait. Chill out. Grab a wine. Look, guys, I just need a little break. But if you're organized anyway, when you take your little break just before service, um, people are like, oh, you've been so busy. (laughs) And you can get them to clean up the thing that you dropped. (laughs) Totally. So own your state. You know, if you're feeling like you're overwhelmed and overworked and it's all going south and you break something, like just step out because it's gonna have a it's gonna have a cascade effect and then you know all of a sudden you, your day is gonna be a disaster. Yeah, and if you haven't sure. got it, don't worry about it. Like if you haven't got the the cream for the thing or the yogurt for the thing and it's like quarter two and you're about to eat, who cares? Whatever. Just drop it. No one will notice. Yeah, have a just have a breather and yeah, no one will care. <laughs> it's only food. It's all good. It's only food. And then if you can have fun with what you're doing, like cha- make it a game. You know, I think about this often, like how's the best way to describe this process of cooking? And it's a little bit like boxing, right? Because we know that with boxing, we want to punch through our target. 
And so when I'm in the kitchen, I'm not thinking about what I'm doing momentarily. I'm working three or four steps ahead of my strategy because so that I'm things are going in and then I'm cleaning, then I'm organizing, then I'm blah, blah. So then all of a sudden, like, you're done in half the time because you're kind of like thinking two or three steps ahead all the time, same as a boxer, duck mm-hmm. and weave, punch forward, breathe, you know, maintain yeah. your breath and those things, yeah. Well, I reckon if people don't listen to this podcast, they'll probably end up a, an actual boxer on Christmas Day. <laughs> totally right. <laughs> totally right. Christmas punch-ons in the kitchen. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. I burnt the turkey and it's all your fault. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too good, too good. Um, so I guess what about um what about I'm thinking about the traditional Aussie Christmas, even though it probably won't be like that this year. Because a lot of we've got about half our listeners that are probably gonna be in snow covered places and mm-hmm. half of it half people that are um, you know, possibly in places where it might be thirty or forty degrees Celsius, which is mm. roasting hot for those Americans on Fahrenheit. Um, mm-hmm. what about managing what you're gonna cook in hot kitchens? That's a very good point. Definitely don't be doing desserts in a hot kitchen. Just mm-hmm. stay with cold, simple desserts. Don't be trying to make crock and bushes and things like that. If you're in a hot kitchen it's gonna melt and it'll be a disaster. I don't even know what crock and bush it is. What is that? Oh, right. It's a profiterole tower. So you know what a profiterole is? Yeah. So essentially, they it's a French thing. Essentially, you get an ice, uh, a, a traffic cone and they put a traffic cone and they build profiteroles on top of it and then cover it with caramel, like sugar caramel and like chocolate and yeah, fill it with custard and it's wild. It's this huge tower the size of a street cone of like profiteroles. They actually use a, a traffic cone? Well it's, a, well, it's not an actual traffic cone. <laughs> it's a stainless steel kitchen cone. Gotcha. <laughs> I was like, I've never seen a bright orange one of those. (laughs) Oh, boy. So I think what, for me, what might be more important to talk about is eating for the climate. Mm. You know, we often get to the end of Christmas and we've eaten so much damn food. And and you know what makes us full? You obviously know it's carbs and it's protein, you know? And so if we're in a hot environment and we're going to eat half a kilo of beef and then, you know, all the bread and all the all the cheese and all the things, you're going to feel really uncomfortable. And so uh, eating for climate, um, you know, I'm a big fan of the Mediterranean and European style eating where they'll have a light breakfast, a large lunch, then a light dinner. Um, and then when, you have, when you're cooking, um, if, you, if it's hot outside, look for summer seasonal salads. If it's winter, go for more dense warming um, options, slow meats, Cold, uh, baked potatoes, veggies, braises, um, with a few fresh salads. But then if you're doing summery stuff, fresh seafood, fresh salads, light, fun, healthy, not I wouldn't be doing too many carbs, you know, because that's how your guests are going to feel full. And you don't mm. want that. You want to you feed them, you don't want to fatten them. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds crazy at Christmas time. I was thinking as you were talking about the climate stuff and thinking about the Aussie Christmas particularly, People so want that traditional Christmas though, you know, when that's why they cook, you know, they, they melt the kitchen down at 45 degrees and I have memories of my nan and my mum and, and, and stuff like just slaving away in the hottest kitchens because everybody wants that traditional, you know, British Christmas where it's cold and we've got the multiple roasts and, it's, and that type of thing. And so, yeah, I think people obviously with this idea have to let go of that a little bit. Well, I've done that, you know, like... I've done Christmas. I did a Christmas where I bought a whole Iberico ham. You know, yeah. it's like I bought a whole Iberico ham, and because I didn't have a sashimi knife, it wasn't as great. 
Uh, I've done whole, like, I've boned out whole ducks and done, like, a, a, a dedurkin. Tried to do, like, a dedurkin. And I've, you know, bought expensive bugs and expensive lobsters and blah, blah. And one of the best Christmases I had was when we had croissants and fruit for breakfast with some champagne. And we had a charcuterie board for lunch and, like, one salad. Mm-hmm. It was, like, simple. It was light. There was no dishes. There was... and. Whatever floats your boat. I think, like, when it comes to what sides you choose for Christmas, don't choose salads and sides that are labour-intensive. A Greek salad, for example, for 20 people is very labour-intensive. You've got to chop five cucumbers, all the tomatoes, blah, blah, blah. But you can just, like, buy a thing of broccolini, blanch it, put it on the barbecue, cover it in dressing, like a, a, a bloody yoghurt dressing or whatever, and it's done. Pumpkin, chop it chunky, roast it, rock it, herbs, um, feta, pine nuts, dressing, done. Re- mm-hmm. When you're choosing your salads, like look at things and how long is this going to take me to do? Your meat's not going to take long to marinate. Roast some whole chat potatoes, do a large pasta salad, go to Woolworths and buy the bloody antipasto thing and put it in a pasta with some pesto and boom, you've got a salad, you know? Mm-hmm. and. What what gets us all stuck is we try and have these big audacious goals that are like super labour intensive during Christmas, and we started on Christmas Day, and whoo, not my cup of tea, you know. <laughs> well, and I think as well, like people, um, they don't normally cook like this as well. So you've got the added pressure of doing it on Christmas Day. You're doing a load of recipes that you maybe do once a year or maybe have never done and this is the first time. And so yeah. you've got all the anxiety yeah. of like fucking it up for 25 people. Um, and so Big mistake. Yeah, totally. Like, so I think starting a few days earlier or even even practicing a, you know, a few weeks or earlier in the year, the, the type of meals just to understand what needs to happen just beforehand. If you're gonna, if you're doing something new and you want to do a test run, then you should definitely do it. Like I will never, ever, 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 ever try a new dish to a client unless I run it. Ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's yeah. a kamikaze mission. That's gonna <laughs> guarantee to ruin my day, <laughs> and possibly somebody else's. <laughs> and well, I'll always hide it. You know, the guest, the guest, the guest, I always manage to hide it. But then that's that comes with the territory and the skill set, right? But. Yeah, like if you want to try something new, like test it, test it early, especially desserts. You know, weigh, weigh all your desserts out. If you want to make a, a particular dessert, like a fondant, for example, the warm chocolate fondant, and you want to have it on Christmas Day, weigh all your ingredients out and have them in the cupboard and label it. So on the day, you just mix your flour, cream your butter, blah, 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 whip your eggs, do your thing, and then, then cook it. But yep. yeah, I, I, am, I always, on Christmas, on, before my event, is it's 90% done, like 95% done. So I'm guessing in your family, friends group, you, you cook for Christmas? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Like for me, <laughs> to be honest, like it kind of cures social anxiety a little bit because I can hang out in the kitchen and just cook and hang out with, you know, take control a bit. Play to your strengths. Be in my space. And do you know what another uh, good tip is, is that, you know, when we start the events and the family rock up and stuff, People are hungry. Have a snack board on the bench or on the table or a little thing to keep people away from the kitchen. Yeah, 100%. When people are hungry, they'll start to meander into the kitchen. And if you don't have that little snack strategy in place, that's when they're going to be in your space. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely that person. And I just start picking up whatever they're chopping up. <laughs> yeah, totally. 
Totally. I bloody I, I I I worked with a Croatian woman on a boat once, and I said and she started to pick off my board while I was shopping. I'm like, don't do that. That's not a good idea. And then one time she walked past and did it, and I got stuck her in the hand. And I was oh, and shit. she was like, what did you do that for? I'm like, uh, you kind of put your hand on a moving cutting board, yeah. <laughs> on a cutting board with a knife. I'm real sorry about that. So kitchen safety, good tip, you know. Let's be safe about this. Don't let your bloody barbecue get so hot and start spitting and start smoking. Don't start deep frying in your kitchen. You know, let's be safe about this. And, you know, because kitchen incidents are like huge problem over Christmas. You know, slips oh, on floors, sure. kids in the kitchen. And so safety and a little bit of sensibility is, uh, is quite important, I think, you know. Yeah, 100%. Um, so, where can uh, people find you online? What kind of people should be looking for you and uh, what are they going to find? Uh, so, if you're, uh, if you're interested in, you know, the, a bit more of the written material about what we've spoken about today, about pantry lists and some recipes and the sensory impact model and there's a bit of an introduction to Ayurveda, Ayurveda and how it kind of relates. To, the sensory impact model is a bit of a Western version of the Ayurveda in an odd yep. sense. So yeah. we just, um, you know, there's a bit of information on that. So you can go to betterfoodbureau.com, download the ebook, which is totally free, or there's a link you can go to Amazon if you want to buy your own copy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in your email, there'll be a link to join the Facebook group. And next year, we're a little bit quiet this year while I've been reworking everything, but next year will be full fire. And if you're you know, struggling with gluten-free or you've got dietaries or you just are in a kitchen, an absolute mess in the kitchen, and you're like, I need some help from someone that knows. I'm a chef. I've been doing it for years. Um, you know, it's my jam. I love it. So yeah, feel free to get in touch. Yeah, amazing. And I'll chuck all those links that you just mentioned and everything down in the show notes below for everybody that's listening in. So if uh, if you're into any of that and need it, I highly recommend it. So scroll down there, click the links, get in touch with Adam, get his stuff. It's all amazing. Um, and if you feel like this episode needs to go to whoever's going to be cooking for you in the next couple of weeks, and, and even if it's not Christmas when you listen to this episode, but just someone that needs a bit of guidance in the kitchen or you know that will benefit, please share this episode with them so that we can help... Uh, create more healthy friends in the world. And before we wrap up, uh, what is one piece of health information, Adam, that you wish more people knew about? Dude, this is going to be really controversial, right? I've just thought oh, of it. Oh, shit. <laughs> don't, don't trust what the government tells you about health. <laughs> <laughs> and for regular listeners, we have a series of podcasts that cover that topic. So all called Ask Better Questions. Ask Better Questions is the series. So check those out. So that's really fitting. <laughs> Yeah. Appreciate you being here, man. It's been good to hang out finally on a podcast, so I'm looking forward to getting this out to everyone. Yeah, man, it's been great. Yes. Yeah, yeah, what a good chat, Matty. Thanks for having me. No worries, man. We'll catch you really soon. Thanks, brother. See you, dude. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use, and we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much, and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.